omnibus in peril. Dark forces are on the rise. The world needs a hero. How will the earth survive? Transformers! Transformers, robots in disguise. Hey everyone. Welcome to Dice and Decepticons, a TTRPG actual play podcast set in the Transformers universe. My name is Robert Kerr, and I'm joined by my brother. Stuart Kerr. Hello. All right. So, first order of business. If you listen to the first episodes, including the, the bonus background explanation one, you might have noticed that I called the podcast rollout. Uh... That was before I did my research, so I apologize. There's already a podcast named Roll Out, not actually related to Transformers. I think it's a it's a D and well, it looks like they do a variety of things. But uh, in any case, we need to come up with a new name, and so we are now going by Dice and Decepticons, which I like it. Uh, when I, at first I was disappointed that we couldn't use Roll Out, but I think Dice and Decepticons will work really well. It also helps with a uh, search term result if you look up D&D podcasts. So <laughs> we just tag that on that. here too and get a few more views maybe. Yeah. Or listens. I'm sorry, you can't see us, so you can't view us. I guess that's kind of nice though. Anyways, I think we're ready to dive in. So last we left off, Adrian and his team, you guys were sent to protect some important cargo at the docks in New Orleans. You found yourself face-to-face with a Decepticon after having driven off the mechs from the terrorist organization known as Rise. One thing I never asked you in the last episode was what does your mech actually look like? Well, we've established that it's a bit smaller, or significantly smaller than the other mechs in the team. It's a scout, so it's going to be a little more agile, a little more angular, and uh, not, as, not quite as boxy or square like you'd see either, like Optimus Prime or something like that. A little more slimmed down. Beyond that, it's more of a gray color, perhaps, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's lighter or darker. And it is, uh... Yeah, that's about all the details I have at the moment. So, you're standing there with your three other teammates. This is the first time that you've ever seen a Decepticon in person. Ever since the Transformers Wars and the treaties were signed, the Autobots agreed not to enter civilian space. There's certain sanctioned areas that that they can access, like certain military zones and other zones uh, where Energon is actually harvested, but for the most part, you don't see Transformers in civilian space, and especially you don't see Decepticons, so this is probably a shock for all of you guys. I see it, but I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Let's kick this guy's butt. William speaks up. Mariah, you're in no condition to be kicking anyone's butt. 
Alright, guys. Maria, you need to stay back. We can't afford to lose you. I'm your strongest fighter. Yes, and you're good, no good to us dead, right? We'll go inside the warehouse and keep an eye on the cargo. I'll try and make some repairs. Okay, I'll try to keep him distracted. Alright, and I guess that leaves me with you. Right, please have my back. Let's do this. So, Will, in the engineer mech, uh, takes Mariah... I mean, they're giant robots, but uh, he he does kind of do the arm lift where he takes her arm and puts it over his shoulders, and uh, she kind of hobbles back. They hobble back into the warehouse. So it's you and Dylan. Now, remember that Dylan is piloting uh, a Titan-class mech, uh, big honking uh, yellow mecha. Uh, he's got a... Uh, a large chain gun and heavy armor. This guy's designed to take a beating. Um, okay, let me go ahead and interject there then. I glanced back at, um, gotta remind me of the names again, William? Or is this D Dylan? Yeah, it's Dylan. Dylan. Uh, here, do you, want, do you want a pencil? You want, I'll, I'll tell them to you and you write them down. Good players take notes. So William is the engineer. Uh, you have Dylan, who is the Titan class, and then you have Mariah, who is the brawler. All right, we got that out of the way. So, uh, Adrian glances back up to the Titan and said, Scratch what I said earlier. You take the front. I'll try to distract him as you hopefully get hit on this guy. All right, sounds like a plan. Great. I immediately begin to engage. I'm going to make a move action, hopefully get behind this uh, Decepticon. All right, very cool. So let's go ahead and make an uh, an initiative roll. You'll test against either mobility or systems, and that will determine the order of the players. Testing against my mobility, as per usual, if you remember the last session. My robot here, my mech, has a very high mobility of 15. That means as long as I get under there, I'm good. So, let's roll. I got a 7. That gives me a fairly sizable success. Awesome. So, you rolled a 7, which means you'll go before the Decepticon. And then Dylan has a mobility of 10, and he rolled an 11, which means that he'll go after the Decepticon. Okay. Do you want me to take over for Dylan also, or do you want to just roll for both the yeah. Dylan and the Decepticon? So I was thinking about the way I wanted to handle it, and I was thinking may, uh, for this fight, you can tell me kind of what you want Dylan to do. And this and this can take the form of roleplay or whatever, and uh, you know, Dylan will try and uh, do what Oblige. you describe. Exactly, yeah. So if you, okay. if you tell him to flank we'll him... Do we'll do it that way. Him. We'll do it that way through the conversation. Awesome. Um, so you guys are gearing up to fight. Uh, the Decepticon looks at the two of you and scoffs. You think your tiny little mechs are a match for a Decepticon? Please. He reaches from beside his back, and his propeller blades actually turn into a sword. So he, he grabs it and pulls it out, and it extends and, and sharpens into a sword. And he says... I think I'm going to enjoy ending you. So, looks like we're going to get a chance to test the new hardware. Yes, 
But we still need to be careful. Sure thing. Let's give this thing a shot. You ready to use a biolink? Ready as will ever be, I suppose. I'm going to pause here. Flashback several years ago. You find yourself sitting just outside of a large office. You are a academy pilot training to be a mech pilot. You were told to come here and report, but you weren't told why. This is the office of Dr. Neil Rowland. He's the current director of the ARI. Now, the ARI is the Advanced Robotics Institute. It was founded shortly after humans' first contact with the Transformers. The ARI was the go-between between humans and Transformers, and they were the ones who did a lot of the research on the technology that the Transformers shared. They also often operate as sort of a joint military force. The military is often very involved in what they do, but there's aspects of the ARI that are uh, totally separate. The Pilot Academy has some of the strappings of like a boot camp. So, so you definitely have that, that military feel. You're sitting in this, in the ante room of, of Dr. Harris and you look over seated, uh, across from you on two chairs is a tall young man with curly blonde hair. And beside him is this colossal young man with dark hair, broad shouldered. Uh, he's wearing a cowboy hat, which you think is not regulation, but uh, you don't know how he got away with it. And then sitting down the row from you is a young woman with jet black hair. She's sitting with her arms folded and her legs crossed. All of you are wearing your uniforms that were assigned to you as military academy pilots. You can tell that she... Let me rephrase that. She is jiggling her foot, and it's pretty annoying. Okay, so first off, what was the doctor's name again? The doctor's... Oh, I said Harris earlier. Whoops. <laughs> doctor... His name is Dr. Neil Roland. Okay, so... Uh, when Adrian was first summoned to attend a meeting with Dr. Roland. He didn't realize it was with the ARI or any other institute like that, so he thought it was a medical doctor. At first, he freaked out for a moment, thinking that had something to do with some sort of medical condition, medical condition or something else had gone wrong, and then at a moment, he realized that it was something else, and then he worried about perhaps something else had gone wrong. Perhaps he had broken something, or... And then he realized, no, it can't be that, because that would be a disciplinary staff or something along those lines. And so I thought, well, one of the walls could be, well, they probably made a mistake. They probably summoned the wrong person. So when I get there, I'll have to tell them they got the wrong person. And um, the problem is I don't know who they're looking for. So hopefully they can figure that out. Awesome. So it sounds like these thoughts are, are going through your head. You're kind of thinking, oh, this is just like one big mistake. I shouldn't be here. Yeah, but there's a little less anxiety now now that I figured, now that Adrian's figured out that it isn't something he did wrong, it's something they did wrong. They obviously summoned the wrong person. 
And he was just doing alright. He didn't break anything or mess anything up. And he's not sick. Apparently, hopefully not. Um, so, and he's... Look at these others. And at first he thought maybe this is... Are they troublemakers or something? This guy's wearing this hat. She seems irritable. The guy with frizzy hair is a little bit odd. Sure, you have it trimmed. <laughs> that so haircut. perhaps these are troublemakers, but I I don't. He does. Adrian doesn't think so. So he needs to talk with the doctor and make sure they find the right person they're looking for. Okay. Yeah, you're watching these two young guys from across the room, and they seem to know each other because they're chatting in low tones. Um, this sort of anteroom is, like, a lot larger than you'd imagine. Uh, the All the furnishings are, like, pretty modern. It's a pretty clean space, but there's, like, a lot of seating, and uh, there is a secretary's desk uh, across from you. Uh, the secretary doesn't appear to be there. She disappeared inside the office when you arrived. Um, the girl sitting down the row from you, uh, you look a little closer. She is uh, taller than you. Uh, everyone else in this room seems to be uh, uh, taller. Well, that's not very surprising. But The woman turns and looks at you. Hey, you have any idea why we're here? Um... I glance, Adrian glances towards the others, and then points in the cowboy hat and frizzy hair's direction, and looks, and then glances again as she's staring at him and points towards himself. Yeah, you, Tiny, I'm talking to you. What? I said, <laughs> I said, do you know what's going on? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not here on any business, they made a mistake. I... I just need to give a message to the doctor when he sees me. That's all. I'll be I'll be gone pretty soon. Don't worry about it. They made a mistake? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. I thought maybe it was a medical thing that I understood that this is a different office and um I'm not sure what's going on, but I think they're looking for someone else. What you realize it's Dr. Neil Roland, right? The director of the ARI? The director? Yeah, him. I, I, well, I guess he didn't make a mistake then. Maybe the secretary summoned the wrong people? Or a person, at least me. I know I'm I'm not supposed to be here, but... Anyways, never. it doesn't matter. It's okay. I'll be gone in a little bit. Just, uh... I just need to quickly say something right before you guys do your meeting, and, uh... I'll be on my way. Okay. Well, obviously you don't know why the rest of us are here, then. No. She tilts her head at you. Hey... I think I know you. Um, no, I don't think you do, but what? Oh, then yes, you do know me. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but but you're the guy that you blew the last record in the last training exercise out of the water. That's why they're calling you the freak. They've never seen a score like that, ever. What? No one's ever seen a score like that. You're the one. Oh, it was that low? It was that high. What planet are you living on? What kind of score was it? I mean, because I know in golf, we do scoring it. You have to hit par with the lower score. Is that what we mean, score? Oh my gosh. How are you in this academy? I'm not sure. They just, my teacher told me to come, so I did. Okay, look. In the last battle simulation that you were a part of, you had the highest kill count 
in the shortest amount of time ever. You're telling me you don't remember this? I remember the exercises. Oh gosh. Okay, well, clearly you're special. Um, okay. And Adrian sits back and, um, stares at the wall again and thinks to himself, you know, I never really did stay around to hear the rest of the scores, did I? I never really paid attention to the records, either any postings on any walls or any other documents I was emailed because I presumed that they didn't really matter too much. And so Adrian ponders for a moment and realizes, huh, I'm, he's trying to recall how many exactly had taken out. Was it, was that, how many was it again? He'll go back and look again when he's, when he's done here because now he's a little, he's a little curious to remember how many it was. So in the middle of your thought, the door opens and you see a tall African-American man in a military uniform staying at the doorway along with the secretary. Um, the secretary uh, sculls forward and she says, Dr. Roland will see you now. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, Dr. Roland, sir. Um, I believe you summoned the wrong person. I just wanted you to know that. And so I'll be leaving now. Uh, you might want to check. My name is Adrian Bernson. So I believe you got the wrong person. Maybe a misspelling? Or perhaps the, la the wrong last name or first name? Cadet um, Bernson? The yes, sir. That was the, the tall military man speaks up. Shut up. Come inside. We want to talk to you about something. Yes, sir. The secretary and the military man escort you inside the office. Uh, this office is pretty spacious, and it has, as you enter, um, again, it's a very clean look. Uh, uh, against the far wall is all floor-to-ceiling glass, so it lets in the sunlight, and you can see um, out over the grounds. Seated... In front of the windows, behind a, a large desk, is a middle-aged man, clean-shaven, dressed in a gray suit. He is seems to be going over some paperwork. Uh, he's got kind of the, the salt-and-pepper hair. Um, as you walk inside, he looks up. He seems to be really neatly presented. Like, he takes good care of himself. His clothes are clean and everything. Seated off to the side is a very short, balding man with large spectacles. He is wearing kind of the researcher's lab coat. Um, and the secretary and the military man lead you all inside. There's four chairs arrayed in front of the desk. As you step inside, the person that you perhaps assume is Dr. Neil Rowland, stands up and comes around the desk. Ah, cadets, please come in. Have a seat. Um, Adrian sits down at the furthest chair. Thank you, sir. The other two students, the cowboy hat and curly top, also have a, a seat. As each of you are seated, Dr. Rowland shakes each of your hands and... Uh, gestures for you to sit and then rounds his own desk and sits uh, and sits down. Cadets, I'd like to introduce you to Colonel Jeremiah Washington. 
the tall military officer nods at you. And also my associate here, he motions over to the small balding man. This is Dr. Geis. He's been assisting me in my research. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Likewise. Adrian nods. The director sits back down in his chair and leans over his desk with his hands folded. Now, I know all of you might be a little bit nervous being called in under such strange circumstances with no details provided. Adrian barely visibly nods, and if you looked up to the by his hand, you'd see him shaking. But we have an opportunity to offer you an exciting new program that we are starting that we think that the four of you are best suited for. Okay, interjection for a moment. When Adrian immediately hears the word special program, he begins to freak out in his mind. He's not visible, he's still trembling. Because when he hears special program, it probably means something for problem students or people with issues. So now he's even more nervous and worried. Dr. Hair, uh, I almost called him Dr. Harris again. <clears throat> Roland? Yep. Yes, Dr. Roland. Dr. Roland motions to the small man, uh, Dr. Geis, and Dr. Geis stands up, and uh, he seems to be holding a, a clicker of some kind. He presses a button, and on the wall behind the where the windows are, uh, a sort of a holographic projection pops up and it shows some technical readouts and and things. And uh, Dr. Geis steps forward. He says, my name is Dr. Geis. I've been working with Dr. Roland on a very special project. Have any of you guys heard of BioLink? Um, Adrian, just a little bit, not too audibly. And, uh, he glances over towards the other three, and then quickly glances over kind of over the corner of his eye towards the professor, towards the doctor, and he nods slightly. See, uh, Adrian is very familiar with some of the newer developments in mech technology. More recently, as he's come into the academy, he's found himself a hobby of sort with reading some of the newest publications readings, uh, anything gets hands up for materials, just to learn a bit more about these machines, how they operate, what they do and such. So, he's familiar with what uh, this biotech is. Awesome. So, uh, that that's correct. You definitely have heard of it before. Um, but for you, though, the only place you've heard of it is in the medical field. Um, as you're sitting there thinking about that, uh, the big guy in the cowboy hat nods. I've heard of BioLink before. You use it to control prosthetic limbs with your mind, right? Dr. Geist nods. That's exactly it. We, I developed the BioLink to help paraplegics and amputees get new limbs. And he presses a button and you see on the screen behind the desk uh, a couple different pictures of people who have prosthetic limbs. And a short video plays, and they seem to be moving these limbs a little stiffly, but pretty naturally. And you don't see any kind of, there's no outside controllers. It seems to be just them. 
I've been developing this technology over the past five years or so, thanks to the input from the Transformers. We've made leaps and bounds in the understanding of how technology and the human mind can work together for good. Dr. Roland uh, stands up from his desk and turns to you. We think that the BioLink technology has exciting applications for our mech suits. Up until now, whenever we've faced Decepticon threats, our mechs have simply been outmatched. The Decepticon's ability to transform and also their fast response times mean that our mechs in most combat situations are simply underpowered. He turns to the three of you guys. We have selected the four of you to be the first test pilots of a new BioLink system mech. Dr. Geist presses another button on his clicker and a picture of four mechs pops up. These mechs are different than the ones that you've experienced. These ones look more similar to actual transformers like the the pictures of Decepticons and Autobots that you've seen before. The average design for mechs up until this point have looked a little clunkier. And there's also been a lot of variations. You have uh, mechs that uh, just go on two legs like jump pods. Uh, You have even tanks and other vehicles like that that have been equipped with mech technology, so they're kind of a a hybrid. But these are the most... They strike you as very Transformer-like, very clean-limbed, very advanced. We've actually been working on this technology in conjunction with some other advances. We've actually made these mechs stronger and more similar to Transformers. This actually makes them competitive in a one-on-one combat situation with, say, a rogue Decepticon. Um, so, so, you, you want us to, to be a part, part of this BioLink program, program, but I thought you said that the BioLink that... technology was just for medical purposes, for prosthetic limbs. I thought the BioLink technology was what just for like controlling prosthetic limbs. That's what you showed up there. How does this apply to mechs at all? Adrian softly interjects. There's been a lot of talk over the last several years on more less reputable sources and forums that go around that talk about the possibilities of perhaps using this technology to directly controlling a mech. You see, when we control mechs as we do here, with the technology we have now that we've experienced, there's an, what we would call an input lag. So there's a delay between when I operate my machinery on my side and then the movement of my vehicle or robot or whatever sort of uh, apparatus I'm using. But with this technology, that delay would be lessened by quite a bit. That means it'd be much more similar to me moving my actual arm instead of moving a piece of equipment like a car or a tank. 
So the applications are actually pretty impressive. We just weren't sure if it was possible. But what the prof but what the doctors are saying is that they've actually gotten it to work, right? <clears throat> As you're speaking, Dr. Geist turns and looks at you with surprise. Yes, it's actually very similar to what we hope to do. You're entirely correct. The input lag between the motion of your your controls and the mech is just too great. Using the BioLink technology, we can actually directly connect your mind to the mech. That means faster response times and fewer pilot fatalities. Doctor, oh, nope, he's not a doctor. The colonel speaks up. This technology means more of our pilots coming home and being safe in confrontations with Decepticons. The Autobots aren't always going to be there to save our skins. Okay. Makes sense to me. Dr. Roland looks at the four of you. Do you have any questions? Um, sure. If I may. All right. Well, there was also talk about concern over the possibility of it being too much for the human brain to handle. That we were able to work these with these prosthetics because there's only one or two pieces at a time, but that operating all this machinery with the human mind while still operating the human body might overwhelm it. Now, these are just only people, perhaps just non-professional, I don't know. They're anonymous on online forums and other sources, but that was a concern that we thought may have actually hindered the possibility of this even happening. Um, is there any risk of us plugging into this? Dr. Roland and Dr. Geist kind of exchange surprised looks. Then Dr. Roland turns back to you. We've already done some testing with the BioLink technology that we already have. And going forward with this program, we will be testing it extensively to make sure that our pilots are kept safe. <clears throat> no one really hears this, but he gulps a bit. The young man with the curly blonde hair speaks up at this point. Yeah, that all sounds pretty cool and stuff, but is you said BioLink. Like, does that involve a surgery of some kind? Dr. Geist nods. Yes, actually, you will have to undergo surgery to in actually install the BioLink. I can assure you that we have performed this many times. It's a safe procedure. And getting the BioLink will allow you to control the mechs with a much faster reactor reaction time. You'll literally be controlling it with your mind. The colonel speaks up. We chose the four of you based on your biometrics and your records. He looks to Adrian. You in particular have a very impressive battle record. Maybe you'll make a good soldier. Um... Thank you, sir. Dr. Roland turns to the four of you. Are there any other questions? Um, Adrian glances around again, see if everyone else is going to raise their hand or anything. And they don't. He's kind of concerned about this. And he glances back to the doctors and he slowly raises his hand. 
Yes, Adrian? So, you've done this procedure a number of times, you told us, sir. Um, but how much operation time have they been able to complete? I'm sorry, operation time? Well, yes, we've gotten the... You've... We've installed the biolink into these other individuals, right? But then while they're in the cockpit, how long have they been able to operate the machinery? Do we have records on that, or how that's gone? Dr. Geis starts to speak up. We haven't actually had anyone in the cockpit, but we've started to run extensive testing using simulation in the biolink to control virtual mechs. And so far, it looks promising. Of course, that was with civilians. You four are academy pilots and trained to handle mechs. Dr. Roland nods his head. That's exactly correct. And, like we said before, we'll be doing extensive testing once the biolinks are installed to ensure that you are kept safe and that the biolink does not have a negative impact. Now, I will be honest with you. This is somewhat experimental, so there is some risk involved. However, we're going to do our best to mitigate that risk. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. He nods. The four of you had best get to know each other because you're going to be our very first BioLink Mecha Strike team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the BioLink program. All right, so uh, if you want, we can go ahead and do a after office scene, or if you want to like jump back into the action, we can do that. I don't know what do you what do you feel like. Um, I'm trying to think of what if Adrian would say anything or not. Okay, because. Let me quickly explain what. One second, stretching. <laughs> okay, so what's going through Adrian's mind, because he has a very negative image of himself, is that there's something wrong here. Mm. That's why they summoned him. Mm. So the conclusion is they called him in, and at first he thought it was a mistake. They realized that they actually meant it, and they thought, okay, so why did they want me? And then he hears about the program, and he's like, well, I've done a little bit of reading on this. And this might be dangerous. That's what they're actually doing. <laughs> what they're actually doing oh, no. is they got the guys who are good enough to pilot that they're willing to let go of <laughs> to be the guinea pigs. <laughs> and I might die. <laughs> and that's okay, because I don't really deserve this. But it's so frightening. So I need to reason, So I need to settle down with this, understand that I might die or get permanent brain damage. <laughs> And so he might go back and just kind of sulk in his room, or he might accidentally say something to the others. I'm not sure yet. More likely, he'll just go back and sulk in his room. Okay. And think, and not not so oh, kind of sulk, but just kind of ponder and think and do some reading and all that, because he's convinced that when well, they told me he's a great soldier and all that, they're just trying to like get everyone else pumped up. Like, don't worry, guys, we really care about you, and um, that his mind says, uh, no. No, there's something else going on here. There's more risk than the, what they're talking about. Okay. And after we're done, after we're the guinea pigs are done, they're going to get the real pilots in to do it. <laughs> okay, interesting. All right, so I feel like this is what happens. So let's play this out. They give you some more details and instructions. Um, all the other three recruits in the room agree to go through with the program. Um. You all leave the office, and you have to take the same 
hall back towards the main area of the pilot academy. As you're going, the the four of them are chatting with each other. Are we recording right now? Yes. Okay, just make sure. So the three of them start striking up a conversation. Um, as you are exiting the office and walking down the hall, the blonde-haired guy speaks up. By the way, guys, my name's Dylan. Uh, this is my roommate over here, William, the guy with the cowboy hat nods. And I've seen you around before, and he does finger guns at Mariah. Yeah, I think I recognize you. Dylan, right? Yeah, Dylan. And you're... My name's Mariah. Oh, well, pleasure to make your acquaintance. And he does a, a sweeping bow. He turns to you. And you're... Oh, I am Adrian. Oh, pleasure to make your acquaintance, Adrian. Welcome to the BioLink Strike Team. You guys, my dad is going to flip out when he hears about this. Did you hear? We're like elite stuff. Like, I, I, I'll I, be honest. Like, I didn't really super pay attention to a lot of the classes. But, uh, I mean, I guess my scores, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not like an exceptional student. You know what I mean? Right? Right? But, I mean, this is just like super exciting. Like... Adrian is softly nodding. William speaks up. Give yourself some credit, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, I know. Look, I just, I think more like I, I don't try that hard when it comes, academics are not my thing. Getting in the cockpit and, and doing the mechs, that's what's really cool. Okay. Yeah, I think my mom will be really excited to hear about this. She looks a little, con she looks a little bit contemplative when she says that. My dad actually served in the military for a while. It's part of the reason I joined. Just trying to make him proud. Dude, with a with a program like this, you're bound to make him proud. Guys, this is going to be epic. I'm telling you, we're on the cutting edge of history here. <laughs> it is really exciting. I wonder how they improved the mix. Oh, yeah. One thing you got to understand about William here is... You can't stereotype him. He's actually the brains of this duo. And the brawn. And the brawn, yeah, yeah. So the four of you are walking down the hall, and you come to where you would have to walk away to go to your dorms. The other three look as though they're going to head towards the mess hall. Dylan, uh, Dylan turns to you. Hey, you want to grab something to eat with us? Oh, uh... No, I'm I'm not very hungry right now. Um I'm gonna go back to my room and get ready for things. Okay, suit yourself. Wait. Uh, you're yeah. rewind that, sorry. One moment. Say it again. How, I have to think about how I'm gonna phrase this to get the right reaction. <clears throat> okay, so the <laughs> the tone I'm trying to get is when someone's like, I'm gonna make preparations for my funeral. <laughs> but I need to phrase uh, it just right without it? being it's... too over without being too overbearing. Sure. Well, actually that could be really funny. It could be okay, well, usually Okay, so go ahead and say what you go for. <laughs> <laughs> I have don't want to say it's mine again. 
<laughs> hey, you want to join us down at the mess hall for a meal? What? Um, um, no, I, I need to go back to my room and I need to get in contact with my closest next of kin and I should probably get... <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Um I'm I'm sorry, I'm not really I'm not really into that thing. I'm not I'm not hungry right now. I need to get in contact with my next closest kin or however you phrase that. Anyways, my relatives and I need to get hold of a lawyer and I'm sure there's some kind of assisted living we can get hold of. If you get I don't like being noisy with nosy with other people, but if you guys have the opportunity, you need to take a look at other kind of opportunities you may have, so someone can take care of you after this. Okay? I I'm sorry. I know I we don't know each other very well, but the worst happens, and this goes. Well, just please be prepared. Okay? Um, I'm sorry. I've said too much. Look, I'm. You, I hope you guys have a good meal to eat, and. I would. I wish you the best. Um, I need to go. Bye. As you turn, <laughs> okay. So as you turn and hurry away, um, as you're turning, you can see them staring at you like you've grown another head. As you turn and scuttle off down the hall, uh, and you can hear them uh talk as you walk away. That dude's a freak on and off the battlefield. See you later, Tiny. And Adrian thinks for a moment, Tiny. Well, they used to call me Moonface, so I guess that's a bit better. And we'll end the episode there. <laughs> okay, so that was hilarious. And really, uh, really unexpected. The fact that Adrian thought that he was in trouble and that there was a mistake was uh was hilarious and really interesting yeah so as we go through this season of the series uh what we're we doing now we gotta learn a little more about adrian so how about i give a little bit of background information on him i don't think we've really done that yet oh yeah if you want so, if you want to share a little bit of that you can do that you can do that so now. adrian grew up in a fairly standard home and uh we talked to, i thought i mentioned before i think the last episode that um a major event in his life was him catching some form of disease. He thinks it was smallpox. Well, we think that's actually been eradicated, so maybe it wasn't that. But something of that sort of gave him a lot of pock marks on his face. Uh, it's chickenpox. Chickenpox. We, we, yeah, when we looked it up, uh, chickenpox can cause that. Okay, so as the character, he doesn't remember. But, um, and what that did for him in school and in life is that because there's such a bad case, because he has such a lot of marks on his face, I, we mentioned at the end of the episode, they used to call him Moonface in school, uh, and other goofy things like that, and uh, that really hurt him. Uh, so he's lack, he lacks a lot of confidence, he's been very shy, not outspoken at all, doesn't have many friends, not very confident at all. So when this event happens, and he's summoned to the office, the director's office, he first assumes it's a medical emergency, and then he assumes he's in some kind of disciplinary action. And then when that's reasoned out, he assumes that there's something else wrong, or there's been a mistake. 
And so he's already assuming the worst, and his assumption was that there's something wrong, or that even if I'm in this program, he's studied enough to know that there are some potential risks, but now he's assuming, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. They even need me to do it because it's so bad. So uh, the end scene there where he's talking about contacting the lawyers, the next of kin, um, getting ready for assisted living. He's presuming he's maybe brain dead by the end of this. That's his presumption. <laughs> and he's encouraging the others to take action now. Get well ready. Make sure you have proper accommodations. Someone will take care of you. So you have a good life afterwards, even if you're not fully conscious. <laughs> so he's preparing for that, and he's preparing diligently tonight. Huh. All right. So. Very good. Well, that wraps it up for our episode. Since the creation, I've actually created a Twitter account. You can follow Dice and Decepticons on Twitter at Dice Decepticons. Uh, the tag is D-I-C-E-D-E-C. Oh, gosh, I'm not going to spell it out. But if you look it up on Twitter, if you look up at Dice Decepticons, you will find our show Twitter. You can also follow my personal Twitter at Robert johns kerr and that's j-o-n-t-z-k-e-r-r also on twitter and if you really like the show uh please leave us a review like it share it with your friends tell your grandma about it she probably won't listen to it but she'll be entertained that you are entertained any closing thoughts Stuart? no all right Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dice and Decepticons. My name is Robert Kerr. And I'm Stuart Kerr. And we'll see you next time. Bye.